It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Representative Rick Crawford of Arkansas joins me now. A few things on tap for us. Uh, where we are with the People's Convoy, supply chain issues, trucking regulations, food shortages, energy costs, and the Green New Deal, which has people in California getting a shock to the system with their sky-high electric prices. Oh, there's those rolling blackouts that are now about 13 or 14 years in running uh, and more. Uh, Representative Crawford Facts do matter, don't they? They do. I'm just glad I live in Arkansas, I'll tell you. You know, I I sometimes look at what's out there and wonder how how much uh, Americans, people are willing to be honest about these complex economic issues. It's a little too easy to just say price at the pump. That's what we see. That's where people touch the I guess the problem or the issue, right? You see that. But mm-hmm. when it comes to where we are with the supply chain, with energy, with inflation, with costs going up, where FedEx and Uber and other companies are now raising rates or lowering bonuses, uh, it has real-world effects across the board. It absolutely does. I think the two most relevant issues that that, that people face when we start talking about uh, inflation are food and gas. And, and, and all of these are something that you, you know, are direct results of inflation. So it hits everybody. So you, know, you think about the supply chain. Well, fuel costs are going to impact supply chain. They just are. They're going to impact the food chain because we need that fuel to, to power the, the agricultural equipment that, that helps provide our food supply. And then we need the fuel to, to, to power the trucks that deliver that food supply and so on. So these things are so inextricably linked that anybody with any sense of, of how to run the economy should have known that and anticipated that rather than to come in on day one and vacate every policy that made sense and then create these conditions for inflation that just exacerbated supply chain issues that were already challenged as a result of COVID. So, I mean, they, they made matters worse, much worse, by, by engaging in really bad policy. Well, here's where policy and narrative come together, and the truth isn't always all-encompassing. Right now, a lot of the blame game by the Democrats is being pointed at Russia. Now, we did at one time import about 11% of our energy from Russia. It's down to about effective 4 to 5% now, and it, as it draws down, there were still ships you know, on the way and transport, et cetera, underway. That's dropping down, but that doesn't drive everything else. Policy drives a lot of what happens, whether it's agricultural policy, energy policy, and more. And it takes time. It's a lag before you get to the truth and the core of understanding what's happened. So with the Democrats using the high, you know, war wins as a headline and Russia and energy policy, from the political side where you are in the House and the discussion, is the discussion being held about how to really begin to taper off some of these economic problems? And uh, should we expect anything from the Democrats? Well, I'll answer the first part of 
uh, the last part first. No, we shouldn't expect anything from the Democrats. But I would say this as it applies to the to the war in the Ukraine. All of these issues that you're describing, they were all in motion long before Putin invaded Ukraine. So all this did was make the matter worse. All it did was aggravate these conditions. Um, but but the, the fact is, and we've really felt this in rural America, I've been talking about rising fertilizer costs for two years. We saw this coming literally years ago. And that's because we regulated ourselves into dependence on other countries for key elements in our economy. Uh, agricultural inputs are one example. The other thing is we regulated ourselves out of energy independence. That was done before um, Putin started saber rattling uh, over Ukraine. That was done on January 20th, 2021. Um, we, we set the course for uh, energy dependence when we had achieved it under the previous administration. Um, the fertilizer issue is really hitting us hard here in rural America, and that's going to hit the entire country hard because food costs go up. Then we address the energy independence issue. Well, if we're dependent on other countries and we can't control our own destiny with regard to how we fuel our supply chain, then guess what? Costs are going to go up, and we're going to start to experience scarcity of goods. This is happening already. This was happening before Putin invaded Ukraine. That just made it worse. You know, inflationary rises, you're correct, were already underway. And the introduction, even the mention of these multi-trillion dollar programs, uh, Build Back Better, uh, you know, CRs, continuing continuing resolution. God, I hope there's regular order someday in Congress, but not holding mm-hmm. my breath. Uh, but, but, you know, we saw the rise from Biden in at 1.9% to 7.9% here from January 2021 to now. And the rises were incremental and corresponding with a lot of these big spending programs. Now we're seeing that reality. And again, the gas pump is recognizable, but so are the store shelves where people are starting to compare costs at a big box mass wholesaler like a Sam's Club or maybe even a Costco or something like that, different models, to their grocery stores locally. So people are seeing this. What's the relief then? Or is it a case of there won't be any relief until there's a change in national policy followed by other changes in state policies? Well, there has to be a change in national policy. There's no question about it. But if you go into states that are governed by um, uh, Republicans, typically uh, those states have better uh, economic conditions. And and that's just a fact. So we can, you know, you can argue that, that, you know, one state's better than the other. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the economic conditions on the ground in those states that are led by uh, conservative uh, governors and conservative legislatures. Those economic conditions are typically better than they are in places like, say, for example, Illinois or, or, or New York or California. Um, so that's just an example. But but we definitely need to change policy at the federal level so that we can harmonize. You know, our, our states, you know, they 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 do business with other states, and so you want to make sure that they're that, that the conditions are good so they can do that. But the policy has to change at the federal level. So we need to start thinking about how we become independent in virtually every category and start taking care of ourselves first. And that's not a selfish um, approach. I mean, I think it's important that, you know, we're Americans. We should take care of Americans. That's our responsibility. Rather than kowtowing to other countries that don't really think very well of us, 
that don't have our interests at heart. Why in the world would we, would we shut down um, Russia only to go ask Iran and Venezuela if they'll increase production so we can buy more from them? These people have a vested interest in, in our economic decline, and we're going to them hat in hand asking for more energy from them. Makes no sense at all. Then we start talking about the Green New Deal and the things associated with that. We're going we're gonna to go all electric without any consideration or regard for how you generate that electricity. Meanwhile, they want to shut down every coal-fired plant in the country while China is bringing one online, probably you know one or two by the time I finish this sentence. That's the rate at which China is increasing their coal-fired um, energy plants. In, 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 we don't do that here. We're, we're supposed to go all electric. We can't maintain the base load now. How are we going to do that when we increase the, the demand on our on our grid with electric cars? And and their pie in the sky idea that we can do it with with solar and wind is just it's not feasible. And even Elon Musk, who's in the business of selling electric cars, said we're not there yet. And so people recognize that's not realistic. These goals aren't realistic. They're not achievable in the short term. And even in the intermediate term, I think that's going to be a hard sell. Your state of Arkansas, according to net migration numbers from July 2020 to 2021, was 14th. You netted over a little over 16,000 at a rate of 5.29 per 1,000 inhabitants. Uh, above that, you see a lot of those states, Montana, Alabama, Oklahoma, Nevada, Georgia, Tennessee, the Carolinas, Florida's number one, Texas number two, Arizona number three, by the way. So if that mm-hmm. trend continues and we get the annual numbers, which we'll get in July of this year, and we see that trend continuing as other North American movers uh, and others who they make their living tracking this accurately do. How do these states account for the influx and build out and increase their infrastructures so that they're ready to accept the influx of people? That's going to be a real challenge because, um, you know, historically states like you talked about Montana is sort of this new, you know, phenomenon where people are, are going there in significantly more number than what they you know, might be prepared to accommodate. We're experiencing that now. The demands on our infrastructure in Arkansas, for example, are uh, you can see it. You can feel it as you drive around in in the the more densely populated areas, for example, in Little Rock and northwest Arkansas, where that's where the bulk of the of the you know new residents to the to the state of Arkansas are going to those areas in northwest Arkansas where Walmart is headquartered and also in Little Rock. And, and the infrastructure there is is way behind based on the volume of traffic, for example, and, and the number of people that are moving into those areas. The housing market, we've got a shortage of housing. in uh, Even in my hometown of Jonesboro, Arkansas, population 75,000, we've got a shortage because people are actually moving to these towns and moving to Arkansas. So we are behind the eight ball on infrastructure, which I'm all for infrastructure investment, but it's got to be done right. And you can't roll in the additional cost of accommodating a, a climate agenda that is just unsustainable when nobody says that you can't do things environmentally an environmentally friendly way as you improve your infrastructure, but they have put the climate first above everything else at the expense of maintaining infrastructure, let alone growing more. My guest, Representative Rick Crawford from Arkansas, uh, in a question was asked uh, just a few calls back about 
what happens in November. Now, that was more around impeachment, possible impeachment of Joe Biden. But that aside for the moment, I, I see a lot of Republicans running on we're not Democrats. And for the voters out there, I, my warning to the GOP is that's not enough. And and. and there needs to be something better. We're in the height of the primary season. Granted, we have till what, August 8th, till the final primary, the late primaries. But something better needs to come out of this. And I have checked, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, uh, when is this going to improve is my question, or how does it improve from the congressional side? You're running for office as well. Well, so I think you have to you've got to be intellectually honest with people. I mean, first off, you're a Republican. You're a Republican for a reason. Why are you a Republican? You're not a Republican just because you didn't want to be a Democrat. I mean, let's talk about why we're Republican. Smaller government, lower taxes, individual freedoms, um, these kinds of things, uh, you know, pro-life, pro-business, all those things that that make us Republicans. Right. So if you're going to say you're a Republican, then own it, lean into it, be a Republican. Don't just walk out there and say, well, it's better than Democrats. It's better than this. Because that's, that is not a tenable position over the long term. Now, it might win us the majority back, and I think we're going to get the majority back. I'm about 90 95% sure we're going to reclaim the majority. But the, the issue is, can you hold that majority over time? And you're not going to do that by saying, well, at least we're not Democrats. That's not a political position. That's not a political ideology or a theory that has any kind of long-term sustainability. So what is your core belief? And let's have some intellectual honesty about that because you don't have to apologize. Most Americans agree with us that we would like to have uh, lower taxes. We would like to have less government intrusion in our lives. We would like to have, you know, individual freedoms and, and, you know, we, we support the second amendment. We support life. Most Americans agree with it. Those are, those are points we can win on and for whatever reason, if, if Republicans are afraid to articulate those points, I think they do that at their own peril. But also it imperils our ability as a country to to really recognize that this is a, a, a more conservative country. People like to say center right. Well, that depends on where you are. I mean, you live in Arkansas. It's a very conservative state. And so – uh, I don't make any apologies about that at all, and, and I understand that not everybody views, you know, political political uh, machinations through the lens of Arkansas. I get it, but I'm just saying that if you're a Republican, be a Republican. Um, that's that's what you're elected. To. I was elected as a Republican. It should come as no surprise to my Democrat constituents that I vote pro-life and that I vote pro-low taxes and that I support the Second Amendment because I've made no. Uh, no, no bones about it. That's that's a core belief. Well, let's hope we see something increase from the NRCC and the other arms that are responsible for the overall messaging. This message has to get through to the traditional non-Republican voter, the lower propensity voter, voter rather. I'm sorry about that voter. And if it does, then there will be more pickups because it's not about this election. It's goes much farther than this election. We won't solve everything by taking the House. Governance is the issue here, and the ability to govern requires bringing more people over. Representative Crawford, I know you know that, but we've got to not just state it. We've got to push it out there. 
Well, you're right. So those core tenets are critical to driving the message about who do you trust to secure the border? Who do you trust to engage um, economically? Who do you trust to represent us on the global stage when we're dealing with issues, for example, withdrawal from Afghanistan, when you're dealing with issues, for example, uh, with a a despot like Vladimir Putin? Who do you trust? And so if, if we don't put out our core beliefs in a way that the American people can see it, and we share those uh, those core beliefs in a way that how that impacts the way we engage on critical uh, economic issues, personal security, law enforcement, border security, uh, global affairs, trade, all those things that are rooted in our core beliefs, uh, then we're not going to win those those um, those uh, high propensity voters or the low propensity voters. I mean, they got to know where we stand, and they got to know that we have at our core. Um, uh, a, a belief that will impact the way we govern. Representative Rick Crawford of uh, Arkansas, thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.